Hey there, you're listening to the Sunshine Speechy Podcast, where I cover everything about getting into graduate school and beyond. Tune in every other Wednesday to hear from SLP experts as well as fellow undergrad and graduate students just like you and I. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review. You can also follow me on Instagram at Sunshine Speechy. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Sunshine Speechy Podcast. This is your host, Nancy, and today I am joined by Brooke. Brooke is a speech-language pathologist working in the elementary school setting in Southern California. She graduated in 2018 with $90,000 in student loan debt. She was determined to pay off her student loans and other debt while saving and paying for her wedding in cash. Brooke has been aggressively paying off her debt for a year and a half and has already paid off $44,000. She plans to pay off the remainder of her student loans in the next three years. You can follow Brooke's journey to being debt-free on Instagram at frugalslp. Hey, Brooke, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Nancy. Thank you for having me. So if you wouldn't mind, just start out and tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. I don't mind at all. Um, So I'm Brooke. I'm a speech-language pathologist uh, living in California. I graduated in 2018, and I currently work in the elementary school setting. Okay, awesome. Um, And can you give us a little background about your SLP grad school journey? Yeah, so I went to graduate school in Oregon, and um, for me, when I was picking a school, it was really important to find a school that was affordable and a school where I could get a graduate assistant position. And so that really helped me reduce the costs. Um, but graduate school was tough. Yeah. I made it through. I graduated in 2018. <laughs> so I made it. That's the good thing. Yeah, that's where I'm hoping to be one day. You will. <laughs> um. So what's your best advice for undergraduate students currently looking at graduate schools or trying to decide on a program? Definitely. So research the schools, definitely. And you want to research the faculty and kind of see their areas of interest. Because if you have an area of interest and they don't have any faculty who are studying that or want to do research on that, you won't have classes in that subject. Um, The other perk of researching the faculty and seeing what they are researching is you can reach out to them and say, you know, do you need a grad lab assistant? And you could potentially get a graduate assistant position that way. I had a friend who did that. So just making sure you check out the school, check out the faculty, and also they might have graduate assistant positions other places in the Sorry. (laughs) They might have graduate um, assistant positions in other departments and whatnot. So you want to check that out as well. Okay. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, So what advice would you tell your younger self on being more financially responsible in graduate school? Definitely. So I would tell myself to get on a budget. Um, It's tough because grad school is hard enough on its own. There are so many stressors. Um, just with having your classes and your clinical practicum and adding the financial stress on top of it does not help. Um, 
I think that some people might see a budget as a way to be stressed out, but it really can help you avoid financial stress because you make sure you have what you need. Um, even if you have less to work with, your budget might be smaller when you're in grad school. Yeah. A little bit less to work with, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I would just say being aware of your spending and getting on a really simple budget. Um, it really doesn't need to be perfect, but just trying to start that process sooner than later. Okay, awesome. That's definitely something I need to work on before I start in the fall. I have not been good at budgeting in undergrad. Um, it's hard. Don't worry. It is hard. I either. I wasn't good at this even during grad school. It's something I learned later. So, um, you know, it's never too late to start. You can always start whenever. Okay. Yeah. Um, so do students have options when it comes to the loans that they take out? And how could they maybe go about that process? Yeah. So I don't know if you remember when, I don't know if you had to sign up for any for your undergrad, but it feels kind of rushed. They kind of just sit you in front of a computer and say, these are your options. And you have to go through something called your promissory note. And that's kind of where everything is regarding your loan. So it's important to read it and understand what you're signing up for. In terms of what the school offers you, it really is just like a case-by-case -case basis and what the federal government is giving them um, and offering to you. And things like your interest rates, those are all kind of, if it's a federal loan, they're set by Congress. So there's not so much room for negotiation there. But um, I definitely think it's important to ask them questions and advocate for yourself and really make sure to read that entire promissory note because that's not something I did well, um, especially during undergrad because, you know, you're starting out doing that at age 17, 18. So it's very tough. Um, but that's something in grad school as well, that there's always, they're always going to give you the terms of your loan. So know what you're signing up for before you sign Okay. Up. Yeah. I would say that's pretty much everything I want to say about that. Um, but yeah, advocate for yourself. Ask questions. Okay. So just to clarify, are you asking questions to like the loan provider? Or are you asking questions to like the financial office at your school? Yeah. So likely you would be speaking with like a loan counselor or the financial office at your school. Okay. Office. Um, that's what happened in my experience. But you can always, once you sign those notes, you do have loans with those servicers. So you want to stay in contact with them and ask them questions as well. But um, really just trying to be aware of what you're signing up for before you do that. And likely the people you'd be talking with at that point are the people at your school. Yeah, I did not even know the promissory note was a thing. So I definitely did not read it during undergrad. Yeah. So that's good to know about. Don't make it clear. So yeah, definitely. You're not the only one who had that experience. So it can be really challenging. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to you talking about your graduate assistantship, how, how stressful do you think it was balancing your graduate assistantship with your course load and all the other stuff going on? Absolutely. That is something that every, especially SLP graduate student needs to take into consideration um, if they want a graduate assistant position or some other sort of part-time position. The workload for speech programs is really heavy, 
especially when you're at that graduate level, the expectations shift um, even more so. And having that extra work was really hard. Um, you, you really have to work on your time management and that kind of thing. That's something that I, that I personally had to work on. Um, just making sure that I was able to balance my work and also my, my paid work, my graduate assistant work. So it's, it's definitely just depends on the graduate assistant position as well. Some are more flexible than others. So when you're looking into them, um, that's something you want to ask. The one that I specifically had was a very um, intensive one and they, they were hesitant to hire a speech student because, you know, they had maybe 60 applicants for one position. And wow. They were hesitant. I, yeah. So they had never <laughs> had a speech student. And I was, I was the one kind of saying like, this is why you should have a speech student. Okay. Um, and they made me reach out to my, someone in my program to ask if they thought it would be manageable um, the head of my program. And she said she didn't recommend it, but I still <laughs> went for it and I did it and I made it work. So it's just, it depends on what you think you can handle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. Wait, so what department was it in? Was it not in speech? Uh, it was in sped. So like the special education. Oh, wow. Department. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It was an amazing graduate assistantship. I love doing it. It was a lot of work, but to, totally rewarding. So definitely paid off. Okay. Nine, awesome. Nine credits, nine credits of term covered through that. Wow. Okay. That's huge. Yeah. And a stipend. So it, it, that really did help with affordability in terms of grad school. Yeah. Wow. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. You can still definitely try to reach out and find those. Yeah. Definitely. I will. This has definitely motivated me. <laughs> it helps. Definitely. Um, okay. So how can SLP graduate students help limit their expenses while in graduate school? Yeah, that's a good question because this is something that I personally also struggled with back then. This is before I was learning about finances. And I think it's important to figure out your goals and then figure out why you want to achieve those goals. So having a reason, like I want to limit my expenses because I don't want to have a ton of debt when I graduate or because I want, you know, I want to feel good about my finances. Like having a mm -hmm. reason, like figure out you personally, what you, why you want to do that. Um, and then getting on a simple budget um, because, you know, for me, budgeting in grad school was just making sure I had enough to cover my basic expenses, like my, my car loan and um, whatever bill I had. And then the rest just went wherever I wanted it to go. <laughs> okay. So I think you can make a plan for that other money, like, okay, or make goals. Like, I'm going to eat out only one time a week. Yeah. Set goals for yourself. Hold yourself accountable. And there might be times when you're stressed out and that doesn't happen and that's okay. But it's just nice to know that you can do that if you want to. Um, and then, so something that I think would be really helpful as well is cooking at home. And, um, you know, I didn't have coffee at home all the time. That's something I only do now is coffee at home. But back then it was like latte, latte, latte. <laughs> and that's okay too, because you're busier on the go. But I definitely think cooking at home is a big one. And... 
I wouldn't borrow the maximum of student loans that you can just because they offer it to you. Okay. Because um, for me in graduate school, I ended up returning a lump sum of money because they gave me more than I needed. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that until after things kind of played out and I had the extra money in my account. And I was like, okay, like I could use this money and I could enjoy myself more right now, or I can send it back. And yeah. you can definitely go and do that. Like put that money back, try to just borrow what you need um, for your basic living expenses. If that's what you need to do. Yeah. That's, that, those are pretty much all the things. Do you have any questions about those or anything else? I think, Oh, I was going to ask you, how can SLPs get loan forgiveness? Is that something yes. they can do? It is. So let me look, cause I have a little note on that. So there are a few options for this. So the one that all of these would happen later after you graduate for the most part. Okay. One other thing you can do while you're in school is apply for scholarships. I forgot to mention that they have graduate school scholarships. So look into those. Try to avoid taking out if you can. Yeah. And then after you graduate, you realize I have all these loans. Something that you might want to look into is loan forgiveness. If you have this huge sum of, you know, 20000 or more in loans, definitely something to look into. So the biggest program is the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. And this is one that takes about 10 years. You have to work in at a qualified nonprofit or government organization. So that's a big part of it. Um, And you have to do it for 10 years and have 120 qualifying payments. Um, But they do have to be a month apart. You can't like speed it up and get- Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so this is a really great option um, for people who are going, they know I wanna work for a nonprofit or I wanna work for the government. It's a good option. Um, because you don't have to pay taxes on, on it at the end. So that's really great. Um, but it's just really important that you know that you're, the place you work actually qualifies. So you have to submit an employment certification for public service loan forgiveness form. I always have to look at that one when I say it. Okay. But it's basically just a form you submit frequently to make sure, am I on track? Does my work qualify? Um, it just takes a lot of diligence. So I would definitely say this is a great option for people, but it takes someone who's going to be really looking at everything and paying attention to if their payments are qualifying. Okay. Yeah. And this might be a dumb question, but are government organizations, like, does that include schools and like public hospitals? So it just depends it's because there are some that do and some that don't. So, okay. Yes, that can include schools and, and some kind of public hospitals, but you have to really just submit to see if your specific place of work will qualify. Um, because, But there are other options for people who work at schools as well. Um, but definitely, this is a good one. And it can work for people who have school, who work at a yeah, definitely not a dumb question, but yeah, I would just always go and double check, check, submit that employment um, certification form and just make sure that your place of work counts. And then after 10 years, loans can get forgiven and there's not a limit. So um, some of the other loan forgiveness um, programs, there's a limit on how much can be forgiven with PL 
Um, with PSLF, there's really not a, for a limit on that. So you can get a huge chunk forgiven and you don't owe taxes on it. It's just a matter of really making sure you're following the steps when you do it. Okay. Yeah. It's very helpful. Of course. Yeah, no problem. And, and there's two other options too. So um, another option, if you're not a teacher, so teacher, or you're not working in the public sector, you can go for income driven repayment. So this one takes a lot longer. This is the one that's like 20 to 25 years. Oh my God. (laughs) This is an option for people. Um, but you have to make sure you're on one of their income driven, um, repayment plans. And basically they will take a chunk of your money, like 10 to 15% of your income for that 20 to 25 years. Okay. And if someone's married, that probably will include their and their spouse's income. Oh, wow. So it caps at that, but then your loans get forgiven at the end of that, potentially, if you follow all the steps and make all the qualifying payments, but you owe a tax bill on it when you do this kind of repayment. So say you get a hundred grand, you know, uh, forgiven in 25 years, you owe like taxes on that when you are done mm. so people need to set aside money over time to make sure that they don't you know just owe money and not have that because then you're gonna yeah. Get, yeah you're gonna own a different way then um and then the last thing is there's a teacher loan forgiveness program that slps can qualify for um if you're working in the school setting and you can be eligible for up to seventeen hundred dollars being forgiven and it's only five years okay wow 25 years yeah did you do that because I know you work in the elementary school yeah so that's something I'm looking into because I I'm just paying off my loans faster by sending all my money to them okay all my money Uh, (laughs) because they're going down so quickly Mm -hmm. um but this, I actually work for a contract company and then I'm placed in the school setting. Okay. Yeah. So that, if you work for a contract company, you won't qualify for this one. You have to work directly for the school. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I have a friend who's doing it and she has been doing it for two years. So in three years she should get, it's, um, yeah, 17,500 forgiven. So that's pretty cool. And I'm actually going to work for a district next year. So I'll probably sign up for this option. Yeah. Every bit helps. And it's better to sign up for an option early because they all take time. So signing up and seeing what happens um, because you might switch jobs. You might not want to be in the school setting forever, but you can always just sign up and see. Um, But yeah, but for this one, you have to work at a low income school. So that's something okay in a a low income area. Um, and you have to have your teaching certification and a bachelor's degree. So those are the only real qualifiers for that one, but another great option for student loan forgiveness. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then I guess last thing, is there anything, um, students can do to help relieve some of their stress and anxiety around student loans? I know you kind of touched on budgets. Yeah, totally. And I think there's such a huge emotional component with like... Yeah, I'm strongly feeling that right now. Yeah, and it feels there's so much pressure and stress. So I think a huge thing is finding support, um, reaching out 
to other people in this position, you know, the average graduate school program for speech is like $43,000 for two years. So, you know, a lot of us are going to end up taking out loans and it's just important to know that you're not the only one and that there's people who've been through this and would be willing to help you through it. Um, so finding friends to talk to, um, finding other people who've paid off debt, like how you, you kind of found me and I've paid some of mine off. Yeah. Talking with people like that. I have a friend who's an SLP and we met through Instagram and she's paid off over a hundred grand. And that is really inspirational. To wow. Me. Yeah. yeah. So it's just nice to see that. And you're, it's nice to know that you're not the only one doing it. Um, and just knowing you don't have to be afraid of your finances, that you can take control of it. And it doesn't have to be scary, even though it feels scary. It's really just like what you make of it. Okay. That was really well said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I hope it helps. I know it's so stressful, especially right when you're graduating and you're kind of going to that next step. And um, yeah. it's important to have support. Yeah, it's definitely helpful to hear how you were able to like, know what you took out because like I know like I didn't start realizing what I took out for undergrad until like this year really and it's like oh I thought because I was in state I wouldn't have that much but lo and behold (laughs) I have so much right so that's why it feels so sneaky sometimes and um, it does yeah some schools aren't very straightforward and open about how much you're taking out and so there's a lot of people feeling that way, just like you. And I know I felt that way too. Um, there just seem, it just seems like you have to really take control of it on your own because they're not going to really give us this information. So we have to self-advocate and really take it in our own hands. So that's super important. And it's great that you're trying to do that. All of it finals week and you're here doing this. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. This is, I thrive when I'm busy though. So this is good. <laughs> You're going to be great in grad school then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that busy. I'm a little scared for that. <laughs> you can do it. Um, and it's just a couple years, right? So That's what I keep telling myself. I'm like, it's not another four years. It's two years. Exactly. It's just like hyperdrive. Yeah. And then you're like out. And then you have all the stress of being an actual SLP. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just all, we're all in these different stages and you're right. We're having different challenges each step of the way. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Just different, different stage. Um, so do you have anything else that you'd like to add? No, I mean, just that if people want to personally reach out to me, they can. I am not a financial advisor, but at the same time, I just love being there for people and talking with them about their their student loans. I know that's the weirdest statement. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so amazing. And it's almost like better, well, not better than a financial advisor, but like somebody who is literally in your experience, Mm -hmm. who is an SLP. So it's not just someone who's, you know, kind of random. Definitely. It's just nice to have that support and I like to provide it. Um, But you're so right. I'm definitely, I've been in Uh, your shoes. And I, I feel for SLP grad students, but they can definitely take charge of their finances just like you will. And, um, it might feel stressful, but you can, you can do it. And that's just the important thing to know. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It really means so much to me and you're just going to help so many people. Um, I know all of my listeners are just as clueless as I am when it comes to student loans and figuring all of this stuff out. Um, So thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're super busy and this is truly a crazy time for everyone. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Nancy. I know this is an important topic, so I hope that I really appreciate you sharing it with your listeners too. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. I'm going to stop the recording. Oh yeah, I should do that too. (laughs)